Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. On this episode, I'm going to be speaking to Kelly Bender. This is the next episode, spotlighting an insane comics creator. Now, Kelly has worked on such comics as Snarl, Hang Low or Aim High, and Convoy of Courses, just to name a few. Kelly is the writer and co-creator of these books. I spoke to Kelly one Saturday morning early in the day, because Kelly lives in Singapore. So my morning was his evening and vice versa, and it was a good conversation. And we do get to talking about Singapore, what he likes about Singapore, what's so special about the place. So before we even get into comics, we have a little bit of travel talk. And besides talking about his work as a writer, we also talk about some other fun things that we always do on Creator Talk. So you get to know more about the creator, who they are and what they like, and why you should consider checking out their work. That day of recording was an interesting day for me because I started out speaking with Kelly in Singapore. And immediately after that conversation, I called Victor Santos in Spain on the other side of the planet for the conversation you heard on a previous episode to talk about his upcoming work. So if you haven't heard it, go back and check that out. It's a lot of fun. In fact, if you haven't joined us before, check out the entire catalog. I have other insane comics creators on there if you're reading their books want to learn more about them. I have creators from Marvel Comics, DC Comics, Dark Horse Comics, Dynamite Comics, Image Comics, Aftershock Comics, Scout Comics. Well, you get the idea. It's all on creatortalks.com. That's creatortalks.com. And you can follow me at creatortalkspod on Facebook and Twitter. So now, let's get on with our conversation with Kelly Bender, here now on Creator Talks. Kelly Bender is the author and co-creator of several insane comics, such as Snarl, a 40-page standalone story, Hang Low or Aim High, Convoy of Corpses, Knights Templar, Death Rattler, just to name a few. Please welcome to Creator Talks, my guest, Kelly Bender. Kelly, welcome. Oh, awesome. Thank you for having me. Great for you to be here. And this is my first time calling Singapore. And you're just putting the kids down. Mine are just getting up. <laughs> Yeah. The shift change. Um, you were originally from Alberta, Canada, in Calgary. Yeah. So why uh, why move to Singapore? What was the uh, the reason for going there? Yeah, it was it was the wife's job. Um, so yeah, I mean they don't send comic book writers anywhere, obviously. So uh, <laughs> so uh, I mean, people ask me like, how did you, how did you become a comic book writer? And I'm like the same way everybody else did. I was a stay at home dad. Um, and yeah, so I was a stay at home dad. Uh, my wife uh, had opportunity to move to the Australian office. And we've always loved Australia. We, my wife and I actually traveled to Australia for quite a bit, um, a long time ago, about 10 years ago. And and so my wife put her name in the hat. And then her company's like, wait a minute, you've turned down every other <laughs> relocation <laughs> in, the, in the world. And, and then we're like, and then like, okay, well, you're in. And then we're like, okay, awesome. So, so yeah. So, and then it turned out the Australian office didn't work out. And they're like, okay, well, it's going to Singapore. And I'm like, Okay, where's that? And she's like Asian. I'm like, okay, I barely speak English. <laughs> I don't know how I'm gonna you know, survive in Asia. And and little did I know, it's actually an, an English-speaking country. Um, so it's a British. I uh, used to be a British uh, colony and a British-owned after they they switched from uh, Malaysia. And it, yeah, it's an English-speaking country, and it's been great. And we've been here for almost well over four years now. Oh. And yeah, so my, my wife's a vice president of um, PR company that's here, and mm-hmm. she's head of Asia, so she travels. You know, to, to, to China and to Korea and stuff like that. And then, yeah, she's very good at her job. And I get to be here and write comic books. That's fantastic. And it's also great for the family to uh, see a different perspective, to be in another country. It's very different from being here. You know, here we're a little uh, kind of insulated in where I'm calling from the U.S. But 
yeah. you know, you get a much different perspective of the world. You're not just getting one country's view, I think, at least in other countries. Uh, was it difficult uh, transitioning to Singapore? I mean, it was a lot of moving and logistics and all that stuff involved. Because that always worries me. If I moved, oh, geez, all these things I have to disconnect and reconnect and reestablish. Was that, was that difficult for you? Yeah, the, the biggest thing, to be honest with you, was bringing our pets. So we had to like, you know, like, well, well, first off, we had to sell like our house, we had to sell our cars. So we sold everything like, like, like we had a business, we sold all that. Um, so we have no equity in Canada whatsoever. So we're basically Singaporean free agents right now. So we're, we're living here and we're only paying Singapore taxes, not um, Canadian taxes anymore. Um, but yeah, so the biggest thing was, yeah, just determining, you know, like bring our cat. So we had to do like the shots and this and that. And she had to be in quarantine once we arrived. And then and once you get here, it's. Yeah, it's just figuring out, you know, like, number one, like, how's the system, you know, like, like the train system, the, the bus system, like, you know, how to get to work, how to get to this and that. And also the groceries, like, like, can I make the food I used to make, you know, and because there's not a lot of stuff here that's the same, right? Like, it's, there's no Walmart here. There's no, you know, stuff like that. So, so that's, that's a little bit. And then once you figure out how it works, you, 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 you get going and you, and you fly with it. And, and there's actually better things here that I like that I like that I would like to bring back to North America, such as like, um, example, there, there, there's these hawker stalls. And so a hawker stall is, is that a little small little stall where they make food. And, and it's, so it's like a food court, but it's not a food court, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so but each each stall makes different dishes. So one will be like a Thai stall and one will be a Vietnamese stall. One will be like a, you know, Singaporean. One will sell chicken rice. One will be like a Western stall. Well, they'll try and do, and I say try, uh, they'll try and do, you know, like, like, you know, like chicken and, and mashed potatoes and stuff like that. Um, but you get your food there and it's very reasonable. And then the other stall will be a dessert stall. Another stall will be straight beverages. Another stall will be fruits. Um, and so it's really neat that way. And I'll take that over any food court anywhere. Um, cause <laughs> like, great. like it, it's absolutely brilliant. And the funny thing is like, there'll be like four or five chicken rice. Chicken rice is brilliant. Um, it, it, it's exactly what it is. It's chicken and rice. Uh, the difference is that the rice is cooked in chicken fat, and so it's actually very sweet, and the chicken is so moist and 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 yeah, it's 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 delicacy and it's it's even Anthony Bourdain, the the famous chef, uh, has come to Singapore and and rated, and there's like some some of the chicken stall rices have actually been like you know five star Michelin rated chicken rice, and like I said, it's just rice and chicken, but it's so good. Um, but th- some of these people like will queue for like. You know, like twenty minutes just to get this two dollar chicken rice, and uh, but it, it, it's it's absolutely delicious. So it's it's really neat that way. That's so funny you bring that up because uh, I enjoy travel shows, and um, I moved on from like Rick Steves to actually Anthony Bourdain because I like the food and I like the snark. Um, so yeah, he so he's been there. That's really cool. So uh, I'll ask you now to share with me some things about Singapore that's so unique and special to you, which you've just shared one of them, and you know, why it should be on someone's list of places to see before they die, or you know, less morbid on their bucket list. I mean, what what's the big draw at Singapore, besides those wonderful you know, food kiosks they have there? I mean, the thing about Singapore is that we lovingly refer to it as Disneyland Asia, because <laughs> um, it's not really Asia. You know, like, it's a great gateway. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what that's what makes Singapore so great, is that it is a gateway to Asia. You know, like, it's it's Asia. It deals with the Asian market. Um, but it is English-speaking. Um, it's very safe. Like, it literally, it's extremely safe. Like, I can literally go to a hawker stall with my laptop, have my laptop on a table, walk over to the, the beer stall, grab a beer, come back, and my laptop will still be there. Oh, wow. Like, it, like, like it, it literally <laughs> is insane how safe it is. Like, like it, it's just 
ridiculous. I, we, we make a joke. So, um, I mean, there's still stuff that happens here. It just doesn't make the paper and this and that. But, like, yeah, like, so the, the joke I have is that, so the first week we were in Singapore, one of the headlines of the newspaper, and I swear to God, this is what it said. Ikea cart missing, presumed stolen. <laughs> that was... That was the headline of the newspaper. The follow-up was, someone stole the Allen key. (laughs) Well, someone bored it and brought it back, you know? Oh, jeez. You know, and and, and that's what it is, right? Like, it's it's extremely safe here. But it's also one of those things where, you know, like, I I find a lot of times where it's like somebody leaves stuff, they're like, not my business, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, they they turn a blind eye where I find when when somebody leaves something here, it's like, I'm helping you, you know? Like, I'm going to... I'm going to make sure that nobody takes your stuff. You know, where a lot of times we just turn a blind eye and we're like, no, not my problem, you know, and, and we're here. It is like, it, 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 like I have to remind myself that Singapore is basically the size of Manhattan. Like that, that, that's the ge- mm-hmm. geographic shape and size of Singapore is that it's the size of Manhattan, even though there's 5 million people here. Um, but, but, it, but it's there, but it's, it's safe. And I mean, there's so much CTV cameras and, and this and that, 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 I mean, that's probably why a lot of stuff doesn't happen. But it's also one of those things where we, we, we look after each other, you know, like, 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 you know, like if, if there's a kid at the park, somebody will see, are you okay? And it's not a bad thing. And there's, I'm, I'm sure there's bad people here, but, but we make sure that things are okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the difference. And I mean, I love the fact that I can, I can buy a beer, walk down the street and drink that beer. Um, I can, my wife will get a haircut and, in the mall, and she'll buy a glass of wine, take it to get a haircut, and drink it on her way, by the way, oh, in the mall, no get a haircut, drink the wine while she's having her haircut, finish, you know, not finish the wine, go shopping while holding the wine, and go in the stores, and it's fine, you know, and it, it's it's Asia, like, it, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's, that's cool, like, we always have roadies, so we'll, we'll go, you know, play softball or go to the bar, and then we'll get roadies to go to the next bar. What a roadie is is a beer you drink in the cab on the way to the next bar because you're allowed to. Oh, it is Disneyland. <laughs> it is, well, that's but that's Asia though. Like you're allowed yeah. to do that in Asia. Like like in like you can you can go to Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, and for ten dollars American, you can get a scooter and a helmet and just go. And no license, nothing, and just go. And and it, I always tell people like like when. We talk about like you were saying, like you know the the, the perspective and this and that. I always tell people I, I love Vietnam. Vietnam's one of my favorite countries in the world, and I, I've never met more humbler, nicer people. Like like we would do like a like a trek, like a hike in Vietnam, and you get done, and there's this guy sitting there with like no teeth, sitting on the side of the road who has nothing, and he sees you sweating, and he's like, dude, and he's trying to hand you water, and not speaking English, just gesturing and this and that, and I'm like, actually, I have like water in my backpack, you know, and. And but but like I've never met nicer, humbler people, and and the funny thing is that when you go to Vietnam, it's called the America War, because obviously America invaded Vietnam, right? Where where we're growing up in North America, it was always the Vietnam War. It was always the Vietnam War, and it was pounding your face, and you'd watch, you know, like every movie under the sun for a long time, where Vietnam was the enemy, right? And and yet you go there, and you're seeing these people who are just they don't have anything. But they're so content because they don't have anything. And there's nothing telling them that they don't have anything, if that makes sense. You know, like there's no, there's no commercials, there's no advertising, there's no, you know, like nothing saying, you got to buy this. And they're like, they don't have that. And they're like, I'm happy and I'm content. And 
I'm, I'm happy where I'm living. I'm happy what I'm doing. And, and, and it's just absolutely like I, we've been to Vietnam, God, four times in almost four years. And just cause we love it. Like it's absolutely just an amazing place. And so is Cambodia. So is Laos. So is Thailand, Malaysia. Um, Japan's amazing. Like, like every country we've been to has just been more amazing than the next and amazing human beings. And then that's the best way to call them is just human beings, just human beings who are just happy and loving the world. I'm jealous. I'm envious of you. Um, and, you know, people sometimes probably wonder, geez, why can't it be that way here? Well, you know, this is ingrained in their culture. This goes back thousands of years of just the way humans see each other and the way they see their place in the world and the way they conduct themselves. It's just, it's just, it's the Asian culture, the Eastern, cause I've, I've studied a bit of it, you know, just for, just for fun and pleasure about Buddhism and so forth. And just the mentality of, of the uh, Asian culture, it's totally different from out here in the West. Um, and that's why it is the way it is. That's why you can trust people. I mean, the closest corollary I've seen to that is I'm in Starbucks and someone says, Oh, excuse me, I have to run outside. Would you watch my laptop? And they don't know me. I'm like, sure. That's the closest I've seen to that much trust, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and here it, yeah. it's just there. Like it really is. It's just, it's just, I don't know. And the thing is like, we have to remind yourself that I'm surrounded by more Muslims than the entire Middle East. You know, like there's more Muslims in Asia than there is anywhere else in the world and and nicer people you're not going to meet like 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 just humble people non-judging just they don't throw it in your face they just talk to you you know like if, if, if you're sitting there and you're like you look lost even though i live here um even today like i'm like yeah like we went to a different part of singapore today that we hadn't been to and yeah we look lost and we look like tourists obviously um but we weren't we're not tourists um and they're like hey do you need help? Where are you going to go? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to the school. He's like, oh, yeah, I went there. You know, just go up this block and there. And I'm like, thank you so much, you know, and, and 100% clear Muslim, you know, like and, and, and just and, and whether he was or whether he wasn't, it's just it's just nice, humble people. And, and I, I just I just wish that could be changed. I, w- I wish the stereotypes could be changed. And and I think people need to just travel more. I, I, I really wish that there's a law that once you graduate high school, go away and travel for a year come back and then bring that knowledge to where you're living. Absolutely. No, I agree. My daughter, she's out of college now. She went for photography and she's thinking about traveling if funding permits. And I encourage it. I mean, before she gets uh, locked down with a a full-time job and a family and everything, if she chooses to do that, I mean, she should definitely see the world. And she has seen quite a bit on her own. Like she's gone to Europe and she's gone to the Caribbean. She hasn't been to the the Far East and I would would love to get there someday. But I I encourage that because it does change your perspective and your outlook on things. You don't have such a narrow view of not just the culture and your environment, but the people in it and how things get done. We tend to get a little too narrow-minded and exclusionary after a while and complacent, and you, you definitely have to keep an open mind and see and absorb as much as you can from other people and places. And it will change the way you see the world and behave when you expose yourself to more of these things. It does break down some of those biases and preconceived notions that you're just having a lot of the information just being fed to you secondhand from somebody else or being seen through the lens or an article, just a very small slice of a place. I agree. I agree. Yeah, the more you see, the smaller the world gets, and you realize that we're just one people. Yeah, I That's agree. That's right. Well, thanks so much for talking about uh, Singapore, because I really wanted to hear more about that. And the, I want to talk about your books, too. Uh, in all fairness, you, I rattled off an impressive list, but it was an incomplete list. Uh, and that was just some of the books that have been published now through Insane Comics. 
How did you manage to connect with Insane? I mean, did you go through a submission process, sending things to them, or did you actually meet uh, the founder and CEO, James C. Munch? Yeah, no, I, I haven't met James at all except through uh, internet. In fact, like a lot of the people, even the people I work with, I haven't met in person. Um, just because living in Singapore, a lot of it's through social media, Facebook, Twitter, um, email, stuff like that. So yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I was, I was, uh, I was picked up by a Turner. I, I was picked up by uh, by a Marcosia, um, Emerald Star Comics. Uh, I was with those guys, and and then I had other books and other projects. I and I ended up seeing. Insane comics just on Facebook, just seeing how active they were and what they were doing and the amount of cons they were doing, and and I end up yeah through a submission process saying hey, you know I I have this book, um, you know Hang Low I'm High it's a one shot, would you consider it? And then that book was long done like it was one long done. I was picked up by a publisher, but that publisher um, it wasn't right for the book. Uh, in fact, I had to. There was a, almost a legal battle involved with the publisher. Mm. I'm not going to m- mention that publisher's name just because um, they don't deserve any credit of anything, <laughs> um, even negative, um, if you will. Um, and yeah, so so Convoy Corpses and and and, and Hang Lum High ended up being free agents um, through through certain circumstances. And I said, hey, like they're done. I, like I, I, for me, it was one of those things where the people that worked in the books they deserved more than that other publisher gave us and gave them. And so I said, you know, like, let's, let's get this book in the hands of a publisher who will get it noticed in North America, you know, go to cons, we'll print the book, which many indie publishers don't do. Um, they'll put it on digital on their own website and on comiXology. Um, and yeah, they'll give us some exposure. And they're also, like I said, they're, they're very active on social media where some of the public publishers I've worked with in the past, like I would do a tweet and tag them mm-hmm. and they wouldn't even like it or retweet it, you know, like, and it's just like, dude, like, like I've already let you know I'm tweeting about it, you know? Yeah. That is kind um, of baffling. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's just, but there's just some people that just aren't active on it. Right. And, 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 and me without social media, I don't think I'd have a career. I, I definitely wouldn't be making comic books and I definitely wouldn't be, I don't think I'm as known. Like I don't, I don't think, I'm known, known, but I don't think I would be as recognized or or whatever. So without social media, so because I have to do it, like I clearly have to do it because that I, I have to use social media as me. Like that, that has to be my my human interaction with the world because I, I'm so far away. Like I'm literally 12 hours, 15 hours away from North America, where the con scene is, and. And so I have to use that to my benefit and, and be myself at all times and and be as genuine as I can so that when I eventually see these people, you know, like when I go back to New York, when I go back to Calgary and I do these cons, they can see me and realize, okay, that's who you are. One, my face is my profile picture. So they, they can recognize me right away. My name is my profile. So they know that. And two, my personality is who I'm projecting online. You know, I'm not being a troll. I'm not being this person who's just bashing people and stuff like that. I'm, I'm trying to be as genuine as possible and, and, and share as much and support other people as I can, as well as my own team. So I have to do that in order to create this career. Yeah, no, that's really smart. And I use my picture for my profile picture on, on Twitter and Facebook. And it's not an ego thing. It's so people know who I am 
when I'm at conventions and I'm meeting people, because sometimes people say, you know, you look familiar. <laughs> or if I've been corresponding with somebody through Twitter, they go, you know, before I didn't have my picture, and I'd say, well, it's a picture of a cat. And, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I know who you are now. So now I just flipped it around. But you know you have to be your own best advocate and promoter for a lot of this stuff because you don't always get the same amount of support from publishers that you would from, say, Insane Comics. Some others just don't, for whatever reason, whether they don't have the infrastructure, they don't have it as part of their plan, or they don't see it important, don't leverage that social media to get the word out. Because I've said to a lot of creators on the show, there's so much competition, you have to do everything that you can besides doing the best work you can to make your work stand out. No, I agree. And I actually, I said in an interview like the other day um, where I, 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 I actually believe that the real work starts after your book's picked up. You know, like it's a lot of work to like, you know, like write something, come up with an idea, you know, beg for an artist to work with you, find an artist, find the funding if you're going to do that and, and, and this and that. But the real work comes afterwards because that's when you have to deliver what you've promised. You also have to promote the heck out of it because nobody's going to love your book as much as you are. Even your own mom doesn't love your book as much as you do. So, <laughs> right. so, so how do you, like, you know, how do you expect a publisher who has 10, 12 other books, you know, like, like think about it. Like, like I look at it insane and it's amazing display when they go to comic cons, like, like it's a full, like, like other companies have actually said, dude, like this is amazing as far as their, their play goes. And even then, I've got, I think, eight books out with them. So I have like, you know, like a good probably 20% of their books are mine. And even then, I'm still competing and fighting with all these other books, right? Because, and I'm, I'm competing with my own books. So once you have one book out, that book is competing with your own other book. Because it's different genre, different style, different artists, different, you know, cover, different everything else, right? So so you're, you're fighting for all these these people's attention, their dollars, if you will. And, and you're battling your own stuff, but you have to be that guy who is promoting your own stuff. Number one, you're the brand. I'm going to say that to every single person I meet. You're the brand. You, you're. I, I highly recommend not making a Twitter or a Facebook page based off of your own comic book. You know, like like I never made a Snarl Twitter page. Why? Why? Because so so. so let's say I have Snarl. It's great. It's it's. I highly recommend that book. I I I, I believe in it. Nathan and Kelly and I did an amazing job with it. I'm super proud of it, but I also know that book has a life shelf expectancy. And so, so, so let's say I have a snarl page, I'm using it, get a thousand some followers. Next thing you know, I write a different book. I then have to start over at ground zero because it doesn't look good. Snarl book promoting this other book. You know, it's a different team, right. different concept, different genre, different style, but there's one consistent and that's me. You know, so so at the end of the day, I knew I was the brand. So I just say, okay, yes, I'm Kelly Bender, 17 on Twitter, and that's who I am, and I'm going to promote all my different books. And I'm also going to promote me as a human being, as a person. So my ideas will come out there, you know, like my reflections on life, you know, my photos of my kid will be on there, you know, different things like that, and, and hopefully some funny stuff. And But then I'll promote my books as well, because I need to use that. And so 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 now I have 4,000 some Twitter followers. And because I built that brand of myself, as opposed to doing snarl, and then having to restart, and then restart, and then restart, and and so at the end of the day, you're the brand. Like I, I see with like Facebook, like like I've got some guys that, that like their 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 names are not even their names, and I'm like, dude, like huh, yeah, like 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 it, I, so I actually do talks in Asia. So when I go to um, the Singapore Comic Con and I do the 
the uh, the Comic Con in, in the Philippines in Manila, um, which is going to be one of my favorite Comic Cons. I do talk to these guys. I'm like, okay, like one, how do you get noticed in the North American market? And the first thing is, is social media. Social media is the first way because everybody's on it. You know, like 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 you don't want to be in Twitter because it's a hassle and it's evil and this and that. Well, guess what? If Marvel's on there and you don't work for Marvel, maybe you should be on there. You know, you know, if if, if Jim Zub's on there. You should be on there. If Rob Leefield's on there and you love Rob Leefield, be on there. You know, like if these guys are on there and they're using it and they're helping their careers, then maybe you should too. You know, but the first thing you need to do is your 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 account should be your name or as close to your name as you can possibly get. Your photo should be you and your cover photo, if you're not an artist, should be the last brilliant piece of artwork you did and current artwork. You know, like don't put up a piece of artwork five years from now because guess what you should be better by now you know right and and and, and it's you know and if you're a writer then it should be like like if you look at mine it's it's, it's my name it says writer it says comic books it says video games because that's what i do you know and that's what it should say you know it shouldn't say i like hot dogs you know like like <laughs> your, right. your banner your banner thing should should be very specific like like i get some of these guys who want to friend me and i'm like i don't know who you are dude you know, and then like, then they're on Facebook. Like, you didn't follow me on Twitter, and I'm like, how can I follow you on Twitter? You know, like, 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 who are you on Twitter? He's like, oh, I'm, you know, like, Optimus Prime seventy five, and I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like, like if we just created an AOL account now, you know, like when we first started, like our emails were these crazy emails. Now we realize, no, to be professional, we have to act professional. You know, I always tell people, if you're going to be on Twitter, you're going to be on Facebook, then your name should be whatever you want the publisher to write the check to. If, if I'm promoting you in my book, they're going to see your name in the book. They're going to see your face in the book because I do that in all my books. I, I, you know, I do a little creator, creator page because it's about promoting them as well. It's there. And if you're on Facebook or Twitter, use your name. Use your face. Be proud of it. Like you're a human being. Be proud of it, you know. Like you're, you're one of a billion chance you're here. Do it, because that when I when I go to a con, I can actually see you, and I can recognize you as my friend, even though you know we are friends on 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 Facebook. But I need to be able to recognize you and know who you are as a human being, and and it makes such a difference. It really does. Like like I, for a while there, I was using the the the, the six degrees of separation mm-hmm. to to for Facebook friends because I get these Facebook requests. I remember getting this one. I'm going to be going off topic here, but uh, but no, I remember getting fine. this one Facebook. I remember getting this one Facebook request, and I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll accept. And it was right before bed, like it was like, you know, almost midnight here, which is like you know, 12 o'clock America. Um, and so I accepted the thing, put my phone on, on on airplane mode, went to bed, woke up the next day, and I had like 20 messages from this guy who just Facebook friend me, and it's like his first message was, hi, <laughs> ha- hello, <laughs> are you there? How's it going? You know, and this went on. And then eventually it's like, well, you don't care about us. You don't care about the little guy. And like the guy just went, like, and then it started going crazy. And I'm like, uh, unfriend. And I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 take me back. Like, so take me back the, the, the eight hours before I went to bed. And imagine if I said hi to this guy. And imagine if I started talking to this guy and started, you know, giving advice, this and that. And then realized afterwards how much time I would have wasted on this person because they obviously just went crazy. And, and it's just like, just be yourself, like, you know, be yourself. And, 
and be you. And, and so I was using the six degrees of separation, which was if you weren't first off, you had to be a friend of Matt Hawkins, Jim Zub, Dirk Manning, um, Pat Shand. And if you weren't a friend of those four, then you had to have at least four other common people that I'm friends with. And the reason being is because I know those first four mm-hmm. would have vetted you a long time ago. You know what I mean? Like those, <laughs> yeah. guys, those guys won't put up with nothing, you know? Like no. if you're going to like do this stuff, they're dropping you right away, right? And so for a while there, I was doing that. Um, now I'm a little bit, okay, l- let me give you a shot, you know? But but yeah, for a while there, like especially after that one guy, I was like, dude, like I got to figure this out. And so, yeah, like I literally, I, 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 I messaged all those guys. I'm like, oh, this friend passed the bar because they're friends with, you know, Jim's stuff <laughs> and, and, or, you know, Pat Shand and stuff like that. And it's like, they're like, oh, cool. That's nice. You're doing that. And I'm like, wow. Like, you know, like, but it's, it's sad. I have to do that. But then some people just, they're not professional in that way. No. You know, like, it's just like, like they come to you like, like, what's the secret? It's like, there's no secret. <laughs> first of all, if there was, you're not going to tell them a secret because you earned it. <laughs> Well, and, and, and there is no secret, right? No, like, no it's hard and, and work. The thing is, like, it, it's do the work, right? It's, it's like, right. You know, like, and the funny thing is, like, people like, like they're like, oh, you, you, like, I'm very forthcoming with, with, with knowledge or whatever like that. Like, I don't care. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere without the kindness and knowledge and, 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 and support of other people. So even now, like, I'm like, like, I, I just like message a, a buddy the other day. I'm like, hey are we allowed to do this? You know, like, and I, I like, I sent him a photo cause I was just like, it was a page that we got from one of our artists. And I'm like, like, like are we okay here? Like legally, like, he's like, no, no, you're fine. And I'm like, okay, good. You know, cause you, you just, you just, you need that knowledge that other people have that you just haven't got yet. Um, I mean the, the, the shortcut to perfection is knowledge, right? You know, like it, it's learning is it, stuff like that. But, but I always tell people like, don't, ask me a question that Google can't answer faster. Mm, mm-hmm. Like I remember, I remember spending like an hour with this guy, like, like just, you know, like passing off these tidbits of knowledge. And he's like, you know, I started, he's like, how'd you start? I'm like, I did an anthology and this and that. He's like, and then like an hour later, he's like, what's an anthology? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, geez. and I'm like, bro, like you're not ready yet. Like if you don't know what an anthology is, you're not ready to write a full length comic story. You know what I mean? Like I, I always tell people start doing anthologies because why it, you're, it's edited, you know, like you, you, you submit a story, they'll accept it. They'll hook you up with an artist. They'll hook you up with an anchor, a colorist, whatever you need. They'll do that for you, you know? And, and, and it's great knowledge to learn how to like, you know, like format a script and talk to artists and this and that. But it's also one of those things where like, you can't jump into an, a 600 page graphic novel right away. Right? Like start with, you know, four pages, eight pages, you know, and if it works, do another one. And then eventually double that to 16 and then eventually make it 24, you know, like a one shot, you know, like a standalone story. And then after that, go to a two page, you know, two issue miniseries, then eventually a three issue miniseries, and then eventually go to a four issue miniseries and stay with that. But always make sure your miniseries can be extended because there's no such thing as an ongoing story anymore. That's right. The only, yep. thing, the only thing that determines an ongoing story are the sales. That's it. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. So like, 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 like I, 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 I do this submission. Um, I help, uh, insane comics with their submissions sometimes. And, and I get these guys coming like, yeah, uh, first issue of a 32 epic miniseries. I'm like, rejected. Yeah. I got instantly. 
Instantly you gotta, rejected. You got to learn how to, to crawl, walk, then run. You can't just go right up to running. You got to work your way up. There's no shortcut around that. And you're right. I mean, because I, I hear people sometimes complain that, oh, this book was canceled and it was so good and so different. But it's the sales. The sales are what determine whether or not that's going to keep going. And that's just the harsh reality of it, regardless of whether it's worthy or different or fantastic. And I've had that happen to books I like to read. They, they get canceled, but it's just the sales. And I'm just the guy that's sticking with it. But yeah, yeah that, that's just, yeah. You gotta take small steps, mini series. It's what it is. Like you're basically doing it like it's a season one, season two, right? Season mm-hmm. one is four to six issues. You know, even the best example I can give you is Skull Kickers. Skull Kickers, by far, if you if you go back and read Skull Kickers, um, Jim's up again, brain guy, um, and and most honest guy in this industry. If you're not if you're gonna follow anybody, you have to follow him. But it, but Skull Kickers, if you were to read those first six issues, absolutely brilliant. But then, but then you start reading seven, eight, nine, ten. And you realize, oh, he didn't really plan for more than six issues, because it was the sales that kept it going. Because the next thing you know, it was like a one shot, another one shot, mm-hmm. a third one shot, you know, like a early tale story. And then eventually, it's like, okay, now we can tell more stories, right? And then they started going into more stories. But you could tell right away, like they planned the six issues. And and they didn't know if they were going to get picked up and this and that. And next, you know, by issue three, it was like the sales went crazy. And and so it's like, okay, yeah, now we're going to extend it. And he's like, uh, yeah, I didn't have anything. And Jim will say that. Like Jim will say that in talks that it that it's 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 it's, it's he wish he actually set it up a little bit better because like I said, you can go back and read those and, and it's when there's a one shot, one shot, one shot. That's not an ongoing story, right? That was like, okay, let's pass the time, fill the void till we get the next story. And then eventually they had the next story. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, you, you, you do a story and you have it done and you hope people like it and you hope that everybody will stick along, you know, and, and they hope the sales will be okay. But, but at the end of the day, you're still going to tell a good story that's true, that people enjoyed. Um, and, and you hope you can tell more, but if you don't, but then you have to still be content with that. Yeah, absolutely. No, Jim's a good guy. I actually had him on the show in a previous episode, and he was great to talk to. And I haven't read Skull Kickers yet. I've got this crazy pile of books I'm trying to get through. It's ever-growing. That's the problem that most people have who love to read yeah. comics. But, yeah, no, I hear you. And just to tie back into the Asian uh, thought about a lot of the stuff, I, I can't remember the karate master who it was, and I should, shame on me, but um, someone once asked him, a reporter, what is the secret karate like what is the secret to what you do he says well come here i'll tell you sweat sweat and sweat so there's a there's no shortcut you know i mean great people like yourself jim can help to guide some folks along with some some tips that the things they may not know about but you're right i mean geez go on the internet do some research first you know there's some things out there you can go ahead and read don't ask people things they already that you can easily find on the internet that is that I, I find there's somewhat of a laziness sometimes. It's like, when does your book come out? And it's like right there in the solicitations, right there on the internet. It's not something that's being worked on for later. And yeah. uh, and to, to your point about the miniseries and just writing those arcs, I think that's really smart. And that's the way the industry is going more and more. Because you know, if there's a delay for whatever reason between one arc and the next because of family issues, creator conflicts, whatever the case may be, and having to switch things up. But if you want to keep it the same team, if you do a miniseries – you can you can do that and not burn yourself out. You also open yourself mm-hmm. up to other opportunities that may come along and there's no hard schedule like, oh, I must have this come out, you know, next month. No, you might be off for six months. But, you'll come, but it will come back. 
And if you have a loyal fan base and they know who you are and they see you on social media, they'll stick around. They'll come back when they see you are writing something. You're, you and your team are working on something. They'll be loyal. So, I mean, yeah, that's the way it's, that's the way it's going for comics to really survive because the days of the ongoing, they're, they're really done. Even though there are, quote, ongoing series out there, especially with the big two, Marvel and DC, they technically get rebooted all the time with a new number one. Every time they change up the team, it's like another arc altogether of a miniseries. So that's where we are. Yeah, I agree. And and, and then, but luckily, like like some guys, like you know, on Image, you know, like East of West and you know, uh, Morning Glories and stuff like that, or Sega, like they're they 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 get to be ongoing because it's quality, it's there, um, it has a fan base, but it's already a pre-established fan base because of these guys who who have been out there and and done that. I mean, same with Chew, you know, like Chew is a great series. Um, who I, I would actually say we're we're not as known as everybody else. Um, but they just told a great story, um, and it was brilliant, and and, and it had a great combination of amazing art and, and amazing concept and story, and and they were able to tell their story. Um, but most, yeah, like it's it's slow coming, and yeah, life happens, and and things happen, and you're looking at in indie comics, you're looking at probably three to four months for one issue um, before you're doing it full time, right? Mm-hmm. So so three to four months, you know, I always tell my guys, give me one page a week. You know, the artist give me one page, inker next week, you you know, well, he's on page two, you're on page one. And, and then the color, same thing, you know, like, and that sets us up for a time frame, which is four to five months for one issue, um, which is okay for indie comics, you know, and, and even then delays in life will happen and, and, you know, there'll be slow sales and people are like, oh, well, should we finish it? And, and you know, luckily the guys I've been working with have been like, you know, like, I want to do this because I, I, I know that it's a marathon, not a race, and, and, and also I need the credit, right? So so I think all these things happen and all these things change the 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 dynamics. And yeah, like I, I was the same naive person as everybody else is when you first get in. Like I have a concept, I'm going to pitch damage, you know, like they're going to accept it, Jim Lee will draw it, millionaire, you know? And, and, and that's how you come into this industry thinking, oh, it's going to be that quick, and it's not. It's, it's, it's literally a five to ten year process of you just pounding out writing and, and getting it done. And, and to this day, like I, I have 32 issues out with, you know, eight different series. Um, and I've still probably done more free or garbage work or work that I've done that I've written and didn't make the cut than I have published work. Um, just because you have to do all that work to get where you're going. But what you have had published, though, I, I just the breadth of the the books, there, there's a lot of diversity there, just in terms of the story, the genre, Convoy of Corpses. I actually just read that this morning, and I really enjoyed that. I think was that one of your first ones Thank that you. you did? That was actually the first full length comic book I ever wrote. Yeah. Um, after anthology stories, yeah. So thank you. And that was a and set in war torn Afghanistan with uh, some of the troops escorting BBC reporters through um, a very dangerous area to the next city for a story that they were doing. And it was really, I mean, a very engaging story. Great. Um, also, just read Hang Low or Aim High, a Western. Um, and uh, what else? Oh, I read Snarl as well, which is to kind of put it in some context. It's sort of like X Files meets True Detective. And again, like these books, like there are all these different genres crime. Uh, Western, science fiction, real grounded war type stories. Uh, all the credit because it's a lot of diversity there, and a lot. I mean, when I say diversity, I mean 
just that you can cover all those different types of stories. You're not just locked into just superhero. You're not just locked into just horror. You've really covered a lot of different areas, and that that'll help you definitely in the long run build an audience or reach people that maybe you wouldn't otherwise if you were just sticking to one particular genre. Well, thank you. Yeah, a lot of them. Like it was, it was like I mean, uh, convoy corpses came from me watching on BBC um, news. Um, like not a documentary, but it was like a news clip on on this this highway, and I was like, it just blew my mind. And I started doing research. And I'm like realizing, like, it's for me. Like, yeah, I always describe that 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 that, that comic book as Black Hawk Down, but on a highway, because um, like the intensity is there, where you just you're, you're stuck in this area, your your enemies all around you, but you can't get out because you're stuck in this highway, like the Sydney Highway that's where the dangers happen. And, and, and it was just brilliant. And so, um, and uh, hang low high was from a lot of it comes from me meeting an artist, um, finding out what they want to draw and then seeing if I can develop a story in that genre, in that style. Um, and, and is it a unique character based story for me? And so with, with Hang Lam High, that was with um, Chris Adi, who I did um, Restitution, another Western. And him and I are doing another comic book, uh, which is a Western, called uh, Blood Redemption, um, which is um, hopefully going to be done this year. Um, and yeah, like he just loves drawing Western, and he inspires me. So, I mean, his art inspires me, so I just want to write these stories. Um, Snarl was me and Nathan Kelly where we want to tell the story and we didn't want it to be yeah it, it, i always say it's true detective season two how it should have been ah um, yes <laughs> Thank uh, you. and 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 not not saying that like you know it's i i'm i'm there or whatever like that but it was like to me that's what inspired it you know like um it, it was it's a detective story and it, it's it's uh, trying to solve a murder when all the evidence points to the supernatural but we realize there's no such thing as the supernatural so how do you solve a crime when all the evidence points there and, and you have to base it off of real life stuff? And, and so um, I don't want to give her too much stuff, but uh, we, we Native, uh, Native American uh, folklore comes into it and, and their beliefs. And, and, and so that's where it goes from there. And and, and yeah, like I was really proud of that story because it was it's, it's, I, I, people ask me about like, you know, what's it like to be a writer? And I'm like, if you want to be a writer, then you should enjoy homework. Um, because being a writer is a lot of research. It's a lot of looking up things that you don't know and learning about it and talking about it like you do know it. Um, and that was convoy corpses. It was, it was putting myself in in the Afghanistan, uh, area without ever being there without, you know, knowing what trucks they drive, what, what, what armor they wear. And, um, you know, like what kind of boots, helmets, you know, everything, you know, like all, 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 everything, like everything on that road, I had to know, point A to point B, every town, every area, every danger. And then same with um, Snarl, where I've never really been to that part of Seattle. So I had to learn about that area, learn about, you know, like, where are these things in there? And, and, and I'll also learn about the Native American culture and, and make sure that I'm true and honest to the audience and that I'm not BSing them, you know? Um and same with Yakuza. When I did the Yakuza um, 893, which I love Yakuza, but I had to know about that culture. I had to know about that part of Japan. Even though I've been to Japan, but I had to know about that section. I had to know about their tattoos and what the tattoos meant and why 
they went from full arm sleeve tattoos to next thing you know, their, their tattoos only went to the elbow and, and why they went to the shoulder tattoos and what each tattoo meant on them. And, 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 and it all means something because if I couldn't ever write a book and somebody come back and say that was BS, mm-hmm. you didn't do that right. You know, like this was wrong. And, and I, I can't be that way. I have to, I have to make sure that it's, I'm genuine, that, that one, I care about the subject and two, that I'm true to the subject. And, and, and so you have to do that and you have to actually go through it. And, and I remember reading a quote, I can't remember who said it. It's like, you know, like don't write a zombie book just because zombie books are cool. You know, like mm-hmm. write a book you want to write about and eventually fans will get it. And, and, and I stick to that, you know, and I, and, and that, I think my genres are all over the place because the artists I work with, I'm, I'm trying to draw to their strengths. You know, like I'd hate to ask, Chris Sadi, who loves drawing Western, to draw a superhero story because that's not what he's passionate about, you know. And I'd hate to draw, ask, you know, Brian Bolando, who who loves drawing sci-fi, who drew Starburn, um, to draw a Western. It, it doesn't it doesn't make sense, you know. Like they need to be passionate about it, and that, that their passion makes me passionate about it. And, and when I see their art comes in, it inspires me, and, and you know, and that's where it all comes from. Yeah, and I will attest to the fact that after reading Convoy of Corpses and Snarl, for example, you do your homework. You definitely pay a lot of attention to detail, so it's not just BS made up stuff. I mean, you have all the right terminology for the equipment that they use in Convoy of Corpses. You have a lot of good information about the Native American culture in Snarl. So th- that's why I think I enjoyed them so much because they felt so real. You weren't just like you know pulling it out of your butt, all these, oh, this will be really cool. No, it's not like that at all. So it's a very engaging story, all of them. And uh, you've also written for Top Cow as well, haven't you, for Cyberforce? Yeah, uh, so yeah, I, I, I entered into the Top Cow Talent Hunt. Um, it was one of those things where I'm like, you know what? I I knew I was going to New York that year um, for the Comic Con, and I said, you know, what? like this is the year. Like, I said, why not try out for it? And at that point, it was it was you could write about any one of their multiple characters. Um, so I love the darkness. Um, so I wrote about the darkness. Um, so I wrote a full 24 page um, comic book on him. Um, and yeah, a lot of research. You, that's what you have to do. You can't make this stuff up. If you make it up, they'll know. And so I did tons and tons of research on him. Um, wrote the story. Um, and I was actually, yeah, like I, I told the story before, but I'll tell it to you. Uh, so, so obviously when I wake up in Singapore, it's already happened. Um, and the way the emails come in is that the emails come in, you know, first email's there and the second email is the one on top, right? right? So I open the top email and it says, if you're reading this email, you're not a winner you know, thanks for trying out and this and that. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. You know, oh, well, you know, like, and, and but I also didn't put a lot of, I, I, you know, it's one of those things you can't hope too much because you don't want to be too disappointed too much. Understood. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was like, oh, okay, you know, you know, maybe I'll try that again next year. Then I open the next email. It says, congratulations, you're a winner. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, and it was, it was a little, like low to high like that. And, mm-hmm. But that's the industry though. The industry is exactly like that like the ebbs and flows of this industry are you'll get one review and you'll get a negative tweet and it's just like oh and, and but yeah no it was, it was great and so yeah so i had an opportunity and uh and so i i, I went from right in the darkness to um they asked me to write um a cyber force story and i chose aphrodite um wrote an aphrodite story and it was great being on that side because it was it was it was one of the first times that you're really really being edited you know like like in the indie comic scene uh, I didn't edit the first bunch of books, right? And eventually I, I realized I had to, um, just because after a while you're just so engrossed in it that you just miss so many little things, right? 
Um, and so, yeah, so I, I ended up starting work with an editor who was just a friend. Um, and it just, and, and so that, but yeah, working on, 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 on Top Cow is just, it, it was, it was another level. It, it really was. At that point you realize, okay, this is what it's like. You know, it, it's like going from the minor leagues to the pros, you know, next thing you know, you're like, oh, okay, I gotta, you know, do this drill, that drill, you know, okay, now I gotta wear a suit to dinner, you know, and on the plane, you know, where we're in the minors, you're just going on a bus and you're just wearing a t-shirt, right? And so, so it, it was neat that way to see that side of it. Um, and, and yeah, and, and especially the edits they gave me was, they were right. But yeah, that, that story, I'm proud of it. And, um, and, it, and if people like it, it's because they edited it. Um, because it, it definitely is, it, it's there what the first story I did, but um, I had to change a lot. And, and I was right, and they were right for changing it. So yeah, it was a great experience. Um, glad to have that on my resume. And, uh, and great to meet Matt in, uh, in New York uh, when I was down there, Matt Hawkins. And he spent a lot of time with me, and, and he actually looked at a bunch of my books that I pitched him, and he took a lot of time and gave me a lot of um, advice on them, um, which which I was able to um, bring and improve the books. So that was great. So. And there's other stuff on your resume as well. I mean, you don't just work on comics. Tell us about some of your other work. Yeah. So um, I was doing – I did a, like a movie adaption for um, an indie film, for uh, which is The Restitution I've also done some video game writing for uh, for a small little firm here in Singapore, and 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 some other stuff. So yeah, it's it's been great making money and and experiencing and learning off of writing, and and, and I love doing it. And I want to do it as a profession, and and hopefully I'm good at it enough, and people like it enough that I can do it. I have some questions for you that are just kind of fun questions I asked all the guests. Uh, for rest and relaxation, peace and relaxation, what do you like to do when you're not writing? Yeah, my, my favorite thing in the world is sitting on my patio. Um, it's Singapore, so it's like 28 degrees. Um, I'm not sure what that is to you guys. It's probably like 70 some. Um, and it, yeah, like it's even at 11 o'clock at night, it's still 28 degrees. Oh wow! Um, and I get to sit. I get to sit out here. Um, I'll have my iPad. Watch. I love watching reality shows because it's just garbage TV, but I love it. Like I love Survivor. I love Big Brother. I watch The Bachelor. I'm a huge Bachelor Nation guy. Um, I watch those shows because it just mind numbs me and it's just entertainment. And I sit out here with a glass of wine with my cat and watch a show. That's that's my little slice of heaven. I also play softball as well. Uh, okay. I love softball. So. Very good. Now, if you were stuck on an island, what would be the one book you'd want to have with you? Hundred bullets. Okay, good choice. Yeah, hundred. Yeah. Uh, yeah, by far. Yeah, I, I read that. I read that probably twice a year. <laughs> you didn't even have to think about it. Just bam. Most of my no, guests like, oh, no. that's a tough question. You're like, bam. <laughs> I mean, if, if it was a novel, if it was a novel, I'd probably take The Little Prince. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if it's any book, it's yeah, Hundred Bullets by far. That's my. That's my. Yeah, that that that's my Bible. I love that book. And you already mentioned wine because I was going to say, what's your beverage of choice when relaxing? So it is a glass of wine. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I love, I love, yeah, like I love a glass of wine. I love white Russians is my poison. I love white Russians, you know, Caucasians, if you will. Uh, I love that. I like, yeah, like whiskey's nice. Uh, vodka's great. Um, beer, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting older now, so beer's becoming more of an enemy. You know, I, I hear you. I know. <laughs> I was just saying this last night to my wife. I'm like, why am I so fat? And I'm not, I'm not fat, but still I'm like, oh God, I just feel terrible. Yeah. She's like, she's like, stop drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, said, yeah so you're then, right. So, and so that's what I've done. I literally, I literally switched to to, to a nice glass of to, to red wine during the week, and then I'll have beer like occasionally on the weekend. Especially if I play softball, I'll have beer. But mm -hmm. 
yeah, I, t- I tend not to have beer in the house anymore. So I'm, I'm more of a, yeah, like, I mean, a vodka soda water or a vodka tonic is, is very little calories, which is nice. Um, and yeah, like a glass of red wine or a white wine. I mean, a lot of it's too sugary for me, but, uh, mm. but depends what it is. But yeah, like a nice glass of Merlot and give me either comic books or a movie or a TV show and I'm in, I'm in heaven. That is so smart because I've discovered the same thing as I've been more uh, conscious of what I'm, I'm eating and drinking, trying to, you know, fight the battle to stay in shape and stay healthy. And, and I love IPAs and some of those are really high alcohol content. So you can't drink many. At least you shouldn't drink many and operate heavy equipment or even walk. No. But when you look at the calorie count as the alcohol percentage goes up, you're like, oh, my gosh. I just ate it's a steak. the sugar. Yeah, it's the sugars though. That's the thing. Like, like mm-hmm. so, like so, like like they're talking about like 500 mils of beer is like six slices of bread. Oh, you know, and, yeah. and and so you wouldn't you wouldn't ever like I mean a lot of us are cutting out bread, you know, like especially white bread, right? We're cutting right. out that, and so so yeah, so I mean don't get me wrong, I mean it, it's it's hard here because like it's it's every day like it's like you're on vacation, right? Because like you know like you got to pull at your 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 apartment building where you live, and and you know it's it's. You know, like Singapore is basically 25 to 30 degrees every day, mm. year round, really? every day. I mean, it, it, it rains here. Yeah. Um, and when it rains, it's like that crazy, like survivor rain, you know, like where it's like, <laughs> like it's like somebody turned on the shower. Like yeah. It's, it's right. crazy rain. Um, but even then, like, like there's some days where like when it rains, it's like a little sprinkle. You're drier when it's raining than it, you are when it's not raining because you just sweat all the time. You're yeah. Like, oh yeah. I always, I always joke. Is it a two or a three shirt day every day? Cause it's just, you're just constantly sweating. But yeah, like, but yeah, like the beer, I just, yeah, I said like, like you know, let's, I just felt so heavy. Like I felt so bloated when I was drinking it. And then I'm like, you know what? Like, let's just switch. And so I ended up switching to wine. Uh, I like sake as well. Sake is very nice, but uh, sake is only good with certain things. Mm-hmm. You can't, like, I, I can't just sip sake. I have to like, you know, if I'm having sushi or fish, then I'll have sake, um, and the wife will too. But, um, but yeah, no, like, yeah. No, that, that's that's what I'm doing. Like, I'm just keeping the beer out of the house now. Like, I'll have it if I go out. Like, tonight is date night, and we're going to see Wonder Woman, so I will have a beer at the movies. Um, but yeah, at the house, like, we're going to start keeping just like a bottle of wine. We used to do the box wine a lot, and I'm like, you know, hon, this is the problem. It's like top me off, babe. Sure, and you have no idea how much you're having because you just keep topping it off. So like, let's do this. Let's do this the right way. Let's get a nice bottle, even though you know you save a lot of money on the box. But still, yeah. and you got to regulate. Because I like to you know, work out to stay in shape. I like to run, and if I'm ingesting too much beer and heavy carbs, and I really can't do it. I can't do it effectively. Yeah. I kind of lumber along rather than 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 run. It's kind of a goes from a run to a jog to a shuffle, which is terrible. So uh, I'm kind of yeah. self defeating myself, <laughs> trying to stay in shape by uh, by you know sometimes having too much beer. Too well, I shouldn't say too much, but like too frequently. You know, you got to look at overall what you're having throughout the week, throughout the day, and balance everything out. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. It's just you know, no, I hear all that. It's it's the cost of doing business in this life. You know, you get older, you got to start changing things up. You got to adapt. Just yeah, like no, you, you do. Just like writing comics, you got to adapt. <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, life, everything. Like, yeah, you just adapt to everything, and and yeah, like eventually you realize, okay, you know, like brown bread is okay. You know, like like let's let's eat that, or let's go to skim milk, or or I mean, I don't drink milk at all anymore, um, except in a white Russian. Um, so yeah, so we, we cut that out, you know, like you, you switch to this and that and, you know, like once a week we're doing vegetarian meals and, and you know, like you got to watch your, your rice and your carbs and your pastas and this and that and, and yeah, you just, you just adapt because 
you're, you're learning more and knowing more and, and changing things. So, yeah, At least the information is out there so you can learn more. It's not hard to find it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, it's, it's like, like I, I used to say, like, you know, like I used to hate cooked carrots because my mom was a horrible cook. Um, and she used to, like, boil these carrots until they were dead. And I'm like, I don't blame her. <laughs> You know, like I don't blame the food, you know, because I like carrots now. Like and I, I can make carrots. I blame my mom because she didn't know how to do it. But I also blame it that she didn't have the food network at the time, you know. And, oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and you realize that certain foods aren't your enemy. You know, like my, my kid loves broccoli, you know, because I know how to make broccoli, you know. And my kid likes Brussels sprouts because I know how to cook Brussels sprouts, you know. And, and so you just eventually like, you know, zucchini. Like I have got four or five dishes that I have with zucchini in and, um, and stuff like that, right? So, so you just you, – you realize – you know, Pinterest is great for that. And you, you just adapt and, and, and make changes and you realize that certain foods aren't, they're, they're not bad. They're just improperly cooked. Exactly. No, my co-producer, uh, my wife, I call her a co-producer because she, uh, <laughs> she's wonderful because she really supports what I'm doing and just, she doesn't really yeah. follow it, but she's like, that's what you love to do. <laughs> you know, I'll watch the kids while you're doing that, which is a huge yeah. job in and of itself. Oh, but she Definitely. knows how to cook, and she knows how to cook well. I mean, she like, she makes great vegetarian meals. I never liked Brussels sprouts, really. They were kind of dull, and she would slice them in half and then yeah. like pan-sear them in some olive oil and put some sea salt on them. And, they and are, balsamic vinegar oh, and a little bit of bacon. Better mm. than French fries. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's they're great. So she really – and it's amazing. She can take just some leftovers that I would just like throw on a plate and say, okay, there's my dinner. And she can make something out of it. It's like something new. I'm like, how would you yeah. do that? <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's a chef's job. A chef's job is to make you like food you don't like. Mm-hmm. You know, like like give you something. Like even like 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 us. Like I don't even have mashed potatoes anymore. I have cauliflower mashed potatoes. Oh, you know, like like yeah. you know the cauliflower. And it's apps like like so our bangers and mash. We do bangers and mash probably about once a month. And you know what that is, right? Sausage and oh, yeah. mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so yeah, so we do sausage with with cauliflower um, mashed potatoes, but it's cauliflower and it's brilliant and it's so light and it's so not heavy and it's so good for you and it's just ridiculous yeah so we have a food processor we have all that stuff so yeah we do tons of different food and like yeah i always joke so uh like you have to convince your kid how to eat it right so uh so we have tofu uh mm-hmm. quite a bit actually um and in order to get my daughter to eat it we call it japanese cheese because <laughs> <laughs> she loves she loves everything in japan uh-huh. um but yeah we call it like yeah we're having japanese cheese tonight and she's like oh yum and she just eats it like downs it and it's yeah it's tofu and 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 but it's how you prepare it it's how you make it and and yeah like for me it, being a stay-at-home dad it, it's one of those things i had to own you know it was one of those things where it's like okay like i, I could do this and i could make mac and cheese all night you know every night or i could do this and and step up and, and actually deliver so i'm always trying to add new dishes so i have my little repertoire um which are my go-to but yeah like like i make pho i make uh, hot and sour soup now i make you know like um, we, we try and do soup once a week, if not, uh, you know, every other week. And so, yeah, so I'll do uh war one soup. Um, we do like, I'll do rice paper wraps. I'll do, you know, like tons of like, yeah, like Asian, um, faux dishes with like an Asian salad and stuff like that. And yeah, just, just trying to add different dishes and different flavors and different cultures and, and mix up it. Like, so it's not always, you know, like pasta and steak, you know, and, 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 and changing things around. So. Oh man, good for you. So I will be over for dinner tomorrow. <laughs> no, that's that make me hungry. That sounds great. And I know it's getting late where you are. So before we wrap up, I just want to ask: Are there any? Are you going to have a chance to travel, make any kind of appearances this year? And about besides uh, Blood Redemption, is there anything else you're working on? 
Oh, yeah. So, um, Blood Redemption is there. Um, Champ Sadistic, um, which is a, a three-issue miniseries that within St. Comics. So, that's that's the final one coming out. Um, we're very happy with that one. That's just finishing up. Um, I have Death Rattler, the fourth and final issue of that miniseries coming up. We're, we're going to do a Kickstarter for that, so we're hoping that'll come out this year. Um, Yakuza A93 was a, my last successful Kickstarter. Um, on issue two right now. Um Indigenous, which is my current Kickstarter, which actually ends in, I think, about 18 hours now. Um, but we're at 205% funded, so we're very happy about that. Um, extremely happy about that. That is uh, my current one with Adam Ferris, which is, um, I, ca- I call it um, Stranger Thing Meets the Fog, um, hmm. if, if you will. Stranger Things Meets the Fog. Okay. So, Which is funny, because when I pitched it to Adam, Stranger Thing wasn't out yet. Um, so I actually called it The Happening with a much cooler ending and a much cooler story. Um, but I actually called it Stranger Thing Meets The Happening, and some guy gave me trouble because he's like, the, the Happening was a flop. You shouldn't call it that. <laughs> I actually like that. <laughs> I actually enjoyed The Happening. Um, but, yeah, so that's why we call it The Fog because if you, if you know both those stories, it, it's you put them together, it's a really cool concept, and that's what we have uh, with Indigenous. So, so yeah, so that, that one's going right now on, on Kickstarter. Um, so if people want to back it, that'd be great and awesome. For $3, they can get the PDF. For um, $27 Singaporean, which is like $15 American, they can get the print copy of the comic book. And, and because we've actually passed so many stretch goals, they actually get two versions of the comic book um, with two different covers and, and three prints, um, which are... Uh, comic book size uh, that artists have done for us so, so that's very cool um yeah just a lot of cool ideas that i've just got going and and coming out and some we can't talk about i'm doing a all ages kids book with my wife um called baby bot um which we're which we're hoping to get out um and that's the one where <laughs> i was worried about the legality because um in one of the scenes he's actually on an ice planet and we have an atat um that stomped by him so um we we, we joke that his pod was the pod that landed um on hoth um so that's that's the, that was the, <laughs> the the question mark of that but, but yeah like yeah so we got that going on and, and a couple other things so yeah so we're just producing some cool comic books i'm doing some some cool writing on the side which i hope we can announce in a little bit um with some companies in singapore but yeah just enjoying life and, and reading comic books and yeah i forget what was the first question will you be making any appearances this year Ah, yeah, um, I'm hoping to go to New York Comic Con. So um, I, Singapore Comic Con is in September. I'll be going to that one for sure. I already got my table booked. Um, I'll be doing the Philippines Comic Con in November, which I love, which I've been to this my fourth year in a row going to it. I uh, love that one. And yeah, we're hoping to go to New York Comic Con in October. That, that'll that determine with my next Kickstarter if it's successful enough because it'll help fund me going there and hopefully pitch the story. So so yeah, so that's that's not going to my my only North American uh comic-con appearance would be in new york kelly thank you so much for being on the show today it was a real pleasure and thank you for spending so much time with us too oh christopher thank you so much for having me and uh and it was brilliant talking to you and and thank you for promoting uh, indie comics and, and 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 my writing so i really appreciate that all right that concludes our interview with kelly bender all the way from singapore we got to talk about comics singapore food this is not the food channel but we talked about food and how to properly promote yourself using social media. I thought there were some really great tips in that interview, and I hope you found them helpful too. What did you think? Let me know. You can let me know through social media, at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod on Facebook and Twitter. And yes, that's my mug on the profile picture on Facebook and Twitter, so you know who I am. So when you run into me at a con, you can say hi. Tell me what you think about the show. Also, if you want to email me, 
at creatortalks.com. That's at creatortalks.com. Constructive criticism, feedback, and suggestions are always welcome for the show. And so you don't miss a single episode of the show, you can subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app. Also, you can rate the show and write a review. Much appreciated, as always, on iTunes and on Stitcher. Tell your friends, share, spread the word of Creative Talks, because with your help, I can reach more people with these great interviews so they can learn more about the creators behind the comic books that they love. Well, I'm getting ready to head off to Charlotte, North Carolina for the Heroes Con, my first Heroes Con. I'll be reporting from the field, so be sure to follow on Twitter and Facebook at Creative Talks Pod for updates and maybe some special podcasts related to Charlotte Comic Con. And when I return, I'll be returning to one episode per week on Thursdays, but the quality will not be lessened, and I will try to have more guests on the show so I have more panel-type interviews. All right, that's it for now. I got a pack. For Creative Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.